This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. This is my host show, Carpe Diem, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Once again, super blessed and grateful to be joined by yet another phenomenal guest. My guest today is Rick Frischman. And before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue, given the fact that this listenership and expansiveness of the program reaches to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I'm just going to plug a little bit about my guest before turning it over, as I said, to Unscripted Dialogue. So, who is Rick Frischman? Well, Rick Frischman is publisher at Morgan James Publishing in New York and founder of Planned Television Arts, now called Media Connect, and has been one of the leading book publicists in America for over 39 years. Rick works with many of the top book editors, literary agents, and publishers in America, including Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, and Random House. He has worked with best-selling authors such as Mitch Albom, Bill Moyers, Stephen King, Caroline Kennedy, Howard Stern, President Jimmy Carter, Sophia Loren, Smokey Robinson, Nelson DeMille, Barbara Bush, Salman Rushdie, John Grisham, Yogi Berra, Henry Kissinger, Jack Canfield, Alan Dershowitz, Arnold Palmer, Jackie Collins, Whoopi Goldberg, Governor Mario Cuomo, and Senator John Glenn. Morgan James Publishing publishes fiction and nonfiction books and by authors with a platform who believe in giving back. Morgan James gives a portion of every book sold to Habitat for Humanity. Rick has also appeared on hundreds of radio shows and more than a dozen TV shows nationwide, including Oprah, Fox News, and Bloomberg TV. He has also been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, Selling Power Magazine, New York Post, and scores of other publications. He has appeared on stage with notables such as Sir Richard Branson, the Dalai Lama, T. Harbecker, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Tony Shea, David Bach, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, and Brent Burchard. Rick is the co-author of 18 books, including national bestsellers, Gorilla Publicity, Where's Your Wow, Gorilla Marketing for Writers, The Expert Success Solution, 250 Rules of Business, Networking Magic 2nd Edition, and Author 101, The Insider's Guide to Publishing. Rick's 18th book, Mistakes Authors Make, Essential Steps for Achieving Success as an Author, with Brett Ridgway and Brian Hain, was published in May of 2015. Rick's 19th book, Guerrilla Publicity's 3rd edition, with Jill Lublin and Jay Conrad Levinson, will be published in late 2016. Rick has a BFA in Acting and Directing and a BS in Communications from Ithaca College, He is a sought-after lecturer on publishing and public relations and a member of PRSA and the National Speakers Association. Rick and his wife, Robbie, live in Long Island, New York, with their two Havanese puppies, Cody and Cooper. They have three children, Adam, Rachel, and Stephanie. Just wow, Rick. What a repertoire of accomplishments and accolades. Congratulations. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'll tell you, I'm old. That's all I mean. (laughs) No, you're young. We're young at heart. (laughs) So let's focus on that. So I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I know how extremely off the hook you are. And uh, given all that you've chosen to endeavor uh, to do in your life, your life of passions and who you're connected with, uh, I'm quite amazed, impressed, and very blessed that you found time for me today and my listeners. So thank you so much. My pleasure. So what I'm going to do before we turn it over to a whole bunch of other questions that I've got simultaneously running through my mind here, uh, Rick, I'm just going to first ask you, what was the inception of your journey? How did this all begin and unfold for you in terms of what people would now glean from your life and your life's journey? 
Uh, well, I I was an actor, and uh, I went to Ithaca College as an actor, and thought I'd be a famous, you know, comedian, actor, et cetera, and realized very quickly that uh, that was not going to happen. That uh, I'm not a romantic lead, and I'm not uh, I'm just not good enough as an actor, frankly. And uh, so they kind of helped us at Ithaca College realize that, uh, you know, if if you're not in their view, good enough to be professional, then, uh, get the hell out. So I, uh, I ended up getting into TV and radio as well and uh, had my own radio show at Ithaca College and, um, got a, a dual degree of acting, directing and TV, uh, directing and, and, uh, production, et cetera. And, uh, so I realized that, uh, when I got out, I wanted to be some sort of producer, get involved in TV and radio. And I got my first job at WOR Radio in New York through networking. And just a friend of mine was there for high school. Actually, I knew her from elementary school. And she got me a connection, and I got a job at uh, Barry Farber show at WOR. And I uh, worked there for a while. And then he ran for mayor. And you can't have a radio show in New York and also run for mayor. So he, he was going to lose his show. And, um, well, this goes back 40 years, literally. Uh, I was, uh, uh, getting phone calls from, you know, PR folks all across America to book people on the Barry Farber show. And one of those folks was a guy named, uh, Mike Levine, mm-hmm. who started Plan TV Arts in 1962. And he said, you know, you could make a living as a, uh, in PR. Why don't you come over and talk to me? And, uh, I started working for him December 1, 1976 for $125 a week. And mm-hmm. uh, I took home about $78 after taxes. And, uh, um, and, uh, built that up to be the biggest book PR company in America. Uh, we had 50 employees making hundreds and hundreds of calls every day to radio, TV, newspaper editors and, um, we launched folks uh, who were authors who were unknowns. Um, uh, Nelson DeMille, Har Becker, Nicholas Sparks, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, all these, and hundreds and hundreds more, I mean, over the years. And they were all unknowns and just wanted to have a book out. And, uh, and the interesting thing about all of them and our lesson here for your folks is uh, – you know, for every one of the famous names that I now mention, there's a thousand authors who also had a book come out that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. And four people bought the book and they didn't get any radio, they didn't get any TV, they didn't get any newspaper, they didn't get any fame because they just didn't take action and didn't do stuff. So, uh, um, uh, there's lots of lessons along the way. One of the lessons that I found was, uh, after, I don't know, 77 to 2000, I don't know how many was that, 27 years or something like that? Yeah, or <laughs> three years or my, I realized I wanted to be an author. My first book came out in 2000 called Guerrilla Marketing for Writers. And what was very interesting is, uh, even though I had been doing publicity for 23 years at that point, you know, one really gave a hoot about it. But once I became an author, then uh, radio people wanted me on their show and TV people wanted me on their show and newspapers starting doing stories about me and all this stuff. So I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Because once you're an author, people think you know what you're talking about, whether it's true <laughs> or not. It's really weird. All of a sudden, you're like the the expert. And uh, yeah. um, so I realized this is this is neat, you know, and, and I didn't even know how to write a book. I mean. I don't know how to write a book. I have ADD. I can't write a book. I talk my book, you know, so, and I will talk about that. But I, now I have 18 books out, soon to be 19, sold a, you know, a ton of books. And uh, I don't even know how to write. So, uh, well, um, clearly you do. Clearly you do. And obviously, <laughs> I don't know how to talk. Yeah. Talk, right. So there. Well, your content has obviously resonated with many people to have pumped out that kind of material that continues to be purchased and sponged up by so many people worldwide. So congratulations on that. And some of the notable names that I mentioned when I was plugging you, uh, Rick, you know, Brendan Burchard, I've got all these people's books sitting on my bedside table and, you know, 
not unlike some of what I discussed with my guests because, you know, a lot of them are household names and a lot of people, listeners, uh, people generally speaking, might make the assumption or the presumption that these people just have some magical ingredient within their DNA or they happen to be born with a, a silver spoon in their mouth or that everything just seems to seamlessly align for these people. And I always welcome the opportunity to uh, debunk that, to demystify that, because in essence, uh, what I can personally attest to as well as what my guests have oftentimes shared is that their story and the purpose behind them feeling that they have to get their story out and share their message and impart it with as many people in the world as possible truly actually resonates from a place of darkness that's happened in their lives. Call it bankruptcy, call it death, uh, call it marital problems, call it eating disorders, drug addiction, all kinds of afflictions and challenges. So I don't know if you want to speak to that with regards to some of the notable names that we've cited in the beginning at the top of the hour and uh, and maybe reaffirm some of that for our listeners. Uh, you know, well, it's interesting. Um, a story about, uh, you know, people who had, a, I mean, most everyone have gone through challenges and, and problems, et cetera. But one in particular, in uh, 1992, I was at a book convention and the end of the day, uh, someone literally tripped me over and said, look, I've been looking for this whole convention. And uh, this was in Miami. He said, look, I've been, you know, looking for publicity and I I need to find a publicity person. And everyone said to go to you and I got no money, which is just what I love to hear. A PR guy loves that. And he said, I've been turned down by a hundred and 40-something publishers. Everyone says your book is a piece of crap. And we finally got a small publisher in Florida to take us. And and he said, look, we'll take you if you agree to buy 20,000 books if it doesn't sell. You know, so this way we have no risk. And uh, they said, yeah, we'll do that. That's fine. And um, so I took these guys on, and we did radio for a whole year. Nobody knew who they were. Nobody cared who they were. The uh, title was terrible. Their whole idea was crazy. We didn't get TV for, you know, forever. But finally, it, it started picking up. And uh, uh, these guys were Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. And the book was Chicken Soup for the Soul, which ended up selling 150 million books and counting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no one would have taken that. Everyone said it was a terrible book. But... Um, you know, Mark and Jack just kept on going and going and going until somebody said yes. Uh, you know, and, and they just kept on realizing that uh, nobody gets our dream. That's their problem. And mm-hmm. we got to just keep on, you know, fighting and going for it. And uh, finally, somebody said yes. And and they took matters into their own hand. They didn't wait for the publisher to do publicity. The publisher was mostly broke. You know, so they hired... <laughs> us to do it and we got a radio tv newspaper etc and then same thing even with jack when we did the success principles um did you know all jack's books uh um you know jack took matters in his own hands and uh so even if you're lucky enough to get a major publisher to take you or any publisher to take you you know don't wait for them they're not going to do squat for you i mean they're you know, their job is to print the book and get it out in the bookstores and, you know, mm-hmm. and et cetera. But your job is to do promotion. I mean, once you've, if you've sold a million books, you know, let's say you're Nelson DeMille or John Grisham, you know, or you're a famous person like President Jimmy Carter or uh, Charlton Heston or, you know, Sophia Loren. I mean, yeah, hello. Then they'll do something <laughs> for you because... You know, they've invested a huge amount of money and you're a household name. I mean, that's why they want household names. So, you know, the easiest way to get published is first be famous. Okay. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. If you're famous and, and, you know, 100, 200, 500 million people know who you are and waiting for your book, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Then they'll be happy to publish you. But if you're like you and me and most people don't know your name, then you have to keep doing stuff yourself and building your platform. Uh, and that's what we're looking for as a, uh, as a publisher. I'm a publisher. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for folks who have, quote, a platform, and that's kind of the magic word in publishing. What does that mean? It means, in fact, you mentioned, you know, I, I've talked to you before, you know, the, having a tribe, you know, and it's like, uh, um, you know, Dan Kennedy calls it, too. It's sort of a tribe. People who know you mm-hmm. and love what you do and follow you. So, you know, the question is, how many websites do you have? How many followers on Twitter do you have? How many followers on Facebook do you have? Do you have a newsletter that goes out to 100,000 people? Uh, mm-hmm. How many people follow you on um, YouTube? Do you speak at conventions? Do you speak all across America? So people are dying to talk to you. Do you have your own radio show like you do? Uh, mm-hmm. And if so, how many people listen to it? Can you prove it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you can prove that, uh, the magic number, my friend Scott Hoffman says, do you have a relationship with a hundred thousand people who are <clears throat> looking for your guidance every day and love what you do? Um, then, you know, they will, uh, will be interested in publishing your book because you have all these people who are dying to buy it when it comes out. That's, you know, but a lot of people say they have that and, you know, you got to be able to prove it and show it. And that's, that's what we're looking for. And that's what we teach people, um, at all our events at Author 101 University, et cetera, is how to, you know, build up your presence in social media, um, on radio, on TV and newspaper so that that platform keeps on building and building and building. Excellent. Well, you touched upon a few things that I think are worth mentioning and highlighting and impressing upon to the listening audience. So, you know, what I love about what you've described about some of these people, you know, yes, we now know them and recognize them as household names, but truly they got behind their vision. They decided and opted every single day to take massive action. And even when other people thought their concept or their dream was not very good or not worth buying into, they hit the pavement and their abominable spirit persevered. And this is what I talk about quite regularly, uh, Rick, on radio is, you know, some of the essential ingredients that will separate and differentiate people in two distinct categories. You know, the people, you know, who say things, but they don't get behind it with action. And the other people who believe in their vision and take massive action every single day, you know, it comes down to getting out of your own way. It comes down to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It comes down to believing in yourself to such a degree that you end up emitting that energy and people have no choice, especially if they're within your tribe and vibe attracts tribe uh you know that there's got to be something going on here this person's fiercely committed and is very loyal to their own passions and to their own mission and i think for anybody who feels that they've got something that needs to be shared with the rest of the world that ends up superseding the relevance and the significance of things like analytics and yes analytics and platforms are completely important there's no denying that absolutely because that also fosters and lays the foundation for gaining momentum with your buy-in and your audience and your message um but i just think it's really important that you know you keep going you keep putting one foot in front of the other and things don't happen magically overnight it's a lot of networking it's finding the right mentors. Uh, it's finding the people who are very like-minded, similar to yourself, who have already risen in the ranks of where you choose to go to. Um, but also putting your own flavor and signature on it. You know, there is, it's very hard to find an original concept or original thought anymore. Uh, but there's a way of piggybacking or incorporating certain things that other people have done or garnered them buy-in or an audience, but really finding out who is who are you, what is your message, what separates you from the rest, and just putting that yummy stuff out there and getting it into the hands and the eyes and the ears of as many people as possible, particularly when you think that what you've got to offer is life-changing, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, totally. Uh, you got to... You got to do it for the right reasons. Uh, you know, I wrote a book, I mean, several uh, years ago called Networking Magic, and we interviewed a uh, hundred CEOs, and and we asked them, you know, what's the one thing you want us to tell our audience? And they kept on saying one word over and over again, which is giving, giving, and giving, and giving 
without expecting anything in return. Um, mm-hmm. And if you do that, the universe will give it back to you in a lot of ways. And um, I like to relay a, a story about a kid who I hired a long time ago. My mentor and guy who hired me, this guy Mike Levine, um, who was my, you know, mentor for forever. And uh, in back in 1992, begged me to hire his best friend's son. He lived in Brooklyn, New York, and his his friend's son graduated from Brandeis and, and couldn't get a job. So he hired this kid to write for us, you know, press releases and press kits, etc. And he was a, you know, a nice kid. And then he went on to do other things in his life. And it turns out he wrote a book down the road for the reason not to make money, but to help people and to help folks and particularly to help his mentor, a professor of his who was dying of ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. And he didn't have any money to pay his medical bills. And that's why he wrote the book, not to make money, but to help his professor. And he ended up going to help see his professor. He lived in Detroit and he went to Boston every week and helped his professor Schwartz, Professor Maury Schwartz. And, and of course, you know, we're talking about, uh, I call my Munchkin Mitch album and wrote the book Tuesdays with Maury. Maury, And he did it for the right reason. He did it to help Maury. He did it to uh, help him pay his medical bills. He didn't do it to make money. Although, yes, it ended up making millions of dollars, and yes, they made a movie out of it, but he did it for the right reason. And and so this is my main message that I'm trying to teach authors. Um, I mean, A, I'm trying to get pe- help people get published uh, and teach them how to write a book and how to get published and how to, you know, to deal with this labyrinth of craziness that's out there. But also, I'm trying to to get them to do it for, you know, the right reason, which is if you if you do it to give back, if you do it to help people, uh, I call noble intent, then you'll do it, uh, you know, for the right reasons, and the universe will bring it back to you, and you'll make money. And and uh, but if you want to write a book just to make money, mm-hmm. then it's not going to be it's not going to come generally. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're so focused just on money, 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 money. Um, and interesting, I, I sold my company to the biggest PR company in, in, uh, New York many years ago. Uh, and they're a big conglomerate. They did like a hundred million dollars a year. And, uh, we built it up, et cetera. But then, you know, later on, I realized, to me, it felt as if the only thing they cared about was money, is bottom line. Was mm-hmm. how much are you going to make for us every year, every quarter, every day? And, and look, believe me, I'm all for making money. But when your corporate greed and your corporate attitude is only money, then that also gets in the way. So it's not just book writing we're talking about. You know, uh, corporations and, and business as well. And, uh, um, you mentioned, you know, our, our, um, publishing house, you know, we give back a portion of every book that we publish to Habitat for Humanity. So it's all about giving back. We build houses for folks in Virginia. And mm-hmm. after we build a house for folks and put a roof over the head, we then give them uh, library books as well. So it's all about. You know, giving back and, and, and helping. And I, so it's not only the book, it's, it's as a corporate attitude. And, uh, I, I see, I think American companies doing that, um, uh, as much as you can, you know, they can. But I think the ones that are doing that are, are becoming a little bit more successful, but we'll see. Absolutely. Well, again, more important points to impress upon the listening audience. And for anybody who, you know, it doesn't have to be in the world of books or publishing or TV or radio, but for whatever it is that you're passionate about, you know, you can, I think you can clearly pick up on who's genuine and who's disingenuous in terms of what is the end goal. And for some people who do things for the sole purpose of eliciting the, the bottom 
dollar, the, the cash flow, uh, you know, again, the analytics for likes and all of that. You know, I think even if you have a good run with it for a short period of time, I think at the end of the day, people will, will be able to pick up very quickly and garner, you know, well, this author over here seems to be a little bit more genuine and that's resonating with a bunch of people because what is it that we can all tap into? We can all tap into the human, the humanity of what it is to feel a whole plethora of emotions or what it is that we, we grapple with as human beings. So when you tap into something like other people's pain and you help them get off the fence in their own lives, you help them get unstuck by introducing and showing them either through the words on your pages that they're sponging up, you know, what worked for you. And this is what I do in my live stream videos. Rick is, you know, yes, analytics are important. Yes, you want, if you believe in your message so much, the the whole idea is to get that message into the, the hands as, as many people as possible. Um, but you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And if your idea is to help promote helping other people, paying it forward, being of service to others, uh, helping people with some of the valuable lessons that you've learned along the way in your own tough journey that might help alleviate people from having to expend so much time and energy and tears and heartache when something that you can offer, something very personal, raw and candid, might actually resonate, connect with them. It might off the switch inside of them that goes, okay, Yes, this is what I'm looking for. Somebody other than me gets it. Somebody understands, and this is another affirmation that I'm not the only person who's had to combat this inner struggle or this lifelong struggle. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for people who just endeavor to honor themselves and their journey and follow their passions, things like money ultimately end up showing up. But if you're doing it for the sole purpose and it's all contrived and it's fabricated and it's artificial or at least it feels that way or it seems that way, I think you're going to lose people very quickly and people are going to look at you and go, okay, well, who is this person? They don't seem to have much substance. It seems to be all superficial and you know, self-absorbed and, and comes from a place of self-gain. And when you're talking about thought leaders, when you're talking about authentic leadership, that just doesn't jive anymore. And we, you, you know that when we, we talk about what's happening with political culture right now in our world. And these are the, this is, this is synonymous with leadership. This is what's throwing people for a loop. You know, these people are leaders, but look at all that's going on that really contradicts what the true core fabric and meaning is of leaders. And maybe you can speak to that, Rick. Well, you know, I, I basically, when I start thinking and speaking about uh, what's going on in America with regards to leaders, I mean, it's pretty hard not to throw up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it is so disgusting. I mean, A, let's just look at our Congress. I mean, you know, and, and the head of our Republican Party, I mean, just McConnell, I mean, they, and well, not only to say Republican, all of Congress, let's just put it where, they, they don't do anything. Um, and they're just out for themselves. The minute they get there, they just are working and getting reelected and, uh, they are the scum of the earth. And then, you know, obviously what's going on in America with regards to this presidential election, um, uh, you know, I hate Donald Trump with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I think that he is a scumbag, racist, Psychopath who will put us into World War Three. Um, and thank you, he hasn't paid any taxes probably in 30 years, you know, and so I resent the fact I pay tax. I pay mm-hmm. a shitload of tax. It's like this asshole, you know, so it's like, and, and I hate it because there are people in America, I, um, who, are falling for this guy and it feels like the ones who are and I hate to say it but it they you know you look at who are following this guy and, and they, it feels like they are the KKK that they're, they're white supremacists that they're you know the worst element of all society um who would put me in jail and burn me and my brother and anyone who's black or muslim or whatever in a heartbeat so I just am very scared, you know, for America and I, please God, it seems as if people 
have seen what's happening here. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. I mean, I have like 5,000 Facebook friends and I, if I see somebody on Facebook and it's terrible, you know, who loves Donald Trump and says all these great things, I'm just unfriending him. And mm-hmm. it's probably not fair, but it just is what it is. So, mm-hmm. um, but so you're talking, he- you know, and Donald Trump's out for Donald Trump. I mean, you look at what he's done, you know, um, and his running mate, Mike Pence, you know, I mean, is probably just as bad. But that that's going to end the politics portion of this. But it just scares the hell out of me, I tell you. Well, why do you think, Rick, like, what do you think's going on that people are so enamored by him? Like, you know, when you, when you look at... He's a TV star. The guys, when you're on TV, I and mean, this is what I preach all day long, when you're on TV, people think you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he is a reality TV star from The Apprentice, period. And they mm-hmm. see him all the time. And, uh, and so he's a celebrity. That's it, you know, and... So, and he says things, even though 90% of things he says are not true, he's a TV star and he's saying it, you know, and Hillary's a woman and most people in America who in politics hate women. I mean, you know, in England and countries all over the world, they've had women prime ministers, et cetera. But here, you know, uh, look, the Republican Party doesn't even want to give Women the right to have any say over their own body. So, um, I have two daughters. I mean, this whole thing is just a, you know, shit again. show. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so I mean, we'll see what happens. I hope sanity prevails. But, uh, um, you know, I, if Donald Trump goes in office, I would move to Canada. But I don't think you're allowed to. So, uh, well, I've got an ex. I've got an extra bedroom for you and your <laughs> well, wife. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And your dogs and your three children. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate because you would think with all that's at stake and when you're talking about the global stage, when you're talking about how many people uh, would stand to be impacted by whoever is elected into that position. And, you know, people, I don't know what it is about this day and age, you know, when we, it's kind of like a dichotomy because People in one aspect are so evolved. You know, people are tapped into things like personal development, personal growth, self-awareness, revolutionizing yourself, being the best version of yourself. And yet when it comes down to things like entertainment and politics, it's almost becoming a bit of a blur for people. And yes, somebody might do very well in the entertainment industry, but that doesn't equate nor should it be synonymous with taking the world stage and representing millions and millions of people and could create devastation potentially, you know, if things aren't in check, which clearly they haven't been. It's gone from one bad episode to another, slamming people. And you're right, the racism and the sexism and all the other isms that follow, it just, it's so vile. And I don't know how people can't look at that and discern that and just see it for what it is. I mean, there's just too much at stake. So I hope people wake up to this. You know, I'm not one to tell people how to think or, or what decisions they should make, but there's so much more at stake here uh, behind somebody who, you know, is seemingly charismatic and, uh, and and knows how to hold the podium. So I just really encourage people, for those who are listening, and I would be actually surprised given the nature of the show, the premise of the show and the network itself and what we stand for, relinquishing fear, embracing passions, uh, personal development. I think majority of people who are tapped into this right now, Rick, with us, um, would probably be in our corner with some of the comments and the observations that we share. I would think so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm interested, you know, and what are people in Canada? I mean, you live in Canada. I mean, what do they think of this bozo? Well, we're scared shitless, you know, yeah. and, and like we truly are because, you know, it, it's interesting. <clears throat> I mean, you, you get, you get ignorance, unfortunately, no matter where you live. And, um, I mean, I'm very proud to say that I'm from Canada. Um, and there's just so many stellar people here in Canada. Um, and we really do get behind paying it forward and being of service. Like a lot of people think that we're quite soft. A lot of people have misconceptions uh, about Canadians and Canada at large. Um, however, there have been some interactions. I, I had an interaction with somebody uh, in a store, in a mall, Laura Secord, getting ice cream, buying chocolates, whatever the case may be. 
And the cashier made the comment, and I was like, perhaps the right or wrong person to have had this exchange with. I guess you'd have to ask her. But, uh, you know, she was complaining about how many people she had serviced and all they could talk about was Donald Trump and, and what the climate of what's happening in the states and, and the commentary that she then followed up with with me was, you know, I'm just so fed up with this. Basically not in my backyard, the NIMBY argument and saying, well, we don't vote anyone. And I'm thinking, really? Are you that shallow? Do you not understand how things on the global scale fluctuate, whether you're talking about taxes, whether you're talking about uh, what the currency dollar is and how things fluctuate financially, uh, gas prices, um, what's happening to other people, you know, all the isms and all the things that are happening to disenfranchise people, people who are marginalized, people who are uh, oppressed. Does that not impact you just because it's not you per se? I, I just get so tired of that attitude. So, yeah, we're scared shitless over here because we're your neighbors. Um, but, you know, we also are concerned about the well-being of everybody. And if the person who is at the helm doesn't really give a shit about the collective, then we're all doomed in one way or another. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Um, I don't want to turn this into a political show, no. but it's just, uh, <laughs> it's on the other that. hand, we're, we're, you know, we're right in the middle of it. And, uh, again, some people who are listening to this, you know, it may be all done by the time they hear this show. So, uh, you know, because it probably airs several different times, but, you know, and God willing, you know, sanity will prevail, but, um, we shall see. It just scares me. But, uh, um, you know, back to, you know, what we want to talk about in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, I just getting a book out and, uh, um, I just want to give a couple of tips to folks. Please uh, do. Please do. Uh, I, I am, you know, as I said, I, I don't write my books. I talk my books and there's a, a software which is it's called Dragonware. Um, you can find on Amazon, uh, speaking naturally. Dragonware speaking naturally. It's about, $99 and you just put in your computer and then you talk your books just like you and I are doing now. And, and so the first thing I want you to do is everyone is write a book proposal, which is the business plan for your book. It's a title of your book, your subtitle of your book, who you are, what your platform is, how many other books, how many websites you got, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of writing it, what I want you to do is have your title and your subtitle, but then write down 15 chapter headings and they can change don't worry but just you know who are you and what are you going to write about what do you what are you an expert on what do you want to teach the world and then just start talking it every day so each chapter heading you just talk for about a half hour or an hour and here we're doing an hour show so an hour show is probably you know 10 15 20 pages so if you did this you know for two weeks straight you'll you'll have a whole book and a book is uh, a nonfiction book on average is about 175 pages. We don't want more than that, 200 tops. Um, and so what this software does, it just it, it transcribes it. It writes it down for you. You don't have to type it. And then you, we just give it to a, uh, a line editor, basically, uh, uh, who takes it and cleans it up, makes it pretty. So that takes out the oohs and ums and all that stuff so that, um, it, it feels like a book and, uh, and lo and behold, you have a 175, 200 page book, which you just talked in two weeks and that's as easy as it gets. But the key thing is it starts with a book proposal. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a book, Author 101 on book proposals. There's lots of other books. Just go to Amazon and put in book proposal. Jeff Herman has a book. Uh, Michael Larson has a book. There's tons of books. Um, there's also a free software one of my students put together, which is BP Wiz, BP's book proposal. So bpwiz.biz, B-I-Z. Um, and uh, it's totally free, and it's a plug-and-play, and that will write it for you, um, which is great because in getting published, A, we got to start writing the book, but we need a book proposal to give to a literary agent, to give to a publisher, Um which and I'm a publisher, so I would ask you for a proposal saying again the title, subtitle, but who you are, what your platform is, how many people follow you, 
Um, how many people are, you know, in your tribe, as you would say, or, you know, um, you know, get your newsletter, get your mm-hmm. radio show, have heard you speak, um, follow you on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, YouTube. Um, and are there 100,000 people who are dying to get your book? That all goes into your book proposal. Mm-hmm. What sites do you have? The first thing I'm going to do is do a Google search and mm-hmm. see what comes up. Um, I think we met on Facebook and I think we were a lot of the same friends, but clearly you did a Google search on me and said what came up was rickfrishman.com, which is my main site. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures of me with Oprah and Car- President Carter and all these famous people, blah, 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 in my book. And he said, oh, okay, you know, he's somebody. Well, that's what I'm going to do is check out who you are and go to your website. So the first thing all of you need to do is have a website um, and URL. So uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a secret site here, which is rickscheapdomains.com. I'll spell it. Write it down. R-I-C-K-S, Rick's Cheap, C-H-E-A-P. Domains, D-U-M-A-I-N-S dot com. It's my private label of a bigger URL getter company, but we never mark it up. We give it away at cost and, uh, and we never try to upsell you to all this gobbledygook you don't need. Yay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> get your name, get your misspellings of your name, get your grandchildren's name, your children's name. All of that's really important. It's only nine ninety five, and mm-hmm. also get titles of your book. And your title should be one to five pages long, one to five words long. Mm-hmm. Link. Where's your wow? Gorilla publicity, etc. So you need to own the URL for every title. And again, all of these names, and it's only nine ninety five. It's a cup of coffee. That's it. And then if you don't need it anymore, it's okay. Just let it expire in a year. And you don't have to pay the nine ninety five next year. But reality is probably you're just going to want to keep it and keep it for your grandkids because down the road, this is, this is intellectual property real estate here. Mm-hmm. And it starts with owning the URL and then, you know, building a website around it. And you don't have to have 10, 20, 30 websites. You could have one big website, two websites, but have all these different www dots get forwarded to this one site that um, no matter what, we get to you. Um, so very, very important lesson is you must have a site. Now, here's your homework. I want you to go to two sites. Go to rickfrishman.com, mm-hmm. R-I-C-K-F-R-I-S-H-M-A-N.com. See what I do. See what's on mine. I have testimonials. I have pictures. I have a giveaway, and I want you to get my free resource list. It's 137 pages long with thousands of contacts there, and it's free. It signs up for my newsletter. Now, there's a couple lessons here. A, what should your site look like? Well, mimic mine. B, you need to have a freebie to give out. Get mine and see how it works, okay? Um, and And see how autoresponders hit off and how I – Start developing a relationship with you. And I have a newsletter that comes out every Sunday that teaches you stuff. Very important thing. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, have links to buy your books and, and links to buy your products and other stuff. But it's really credibility. And, and, and a producer or a, uh, a newspaper editor or a publisher will make a decision on you very quickly within about 30 seconds after seeing your site. Mm-hmm. Just like people make a decision about you after about 30 seconds after meeting you. You have one chance to make a first impression. Very in true. Website and when you're meeting somebody. So make it count. Um, and now... Uh, it is so important, your web presence, uh, you know, starting with your site, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, 
YouTube, and watch what you put on Facebook. I mean, once it's out there, you can delete it, but, you know, it is always a record. And there's mm-hmm. always a record of what you said mm-hmm. and what you tweeted. And, I mean, so even if you tweeted something like, all Muslims should be deported from America, mm-hmm. and then you change your mind, um, guess what? It's out there. You can't take it back. Mm-hmm. So remember Absolutely. that. Remember Absolutely. that when you're putting stuff out there. And, and also really important stuff for your kids who are at some point going to want to get a job or go to college is that that's exactly what people go to to check out your kid is what is up on their Facebook page. And if they're drunk and, and naked and doing, you know, weird <laughs> shit online, you know, it's going to be there and there's a record of it. Even if it's taken down. So, um, you know, it's, it's funny. When my kids applied for college, they actually ha- all had to take their Facebook pages down mm-hmm. for like six months because they didn't want any, you know, college recruiter looking at, you know, silly stuff that was up there. Excellent. Wow. Well, good tips, Rick. I really appreciate, as I'm sure my listeners do, all this wonderful tidbit of information and insights. And uh, and I can attest to what you're saying about the website. Um, our mutual contact, who's currently my agent, Meg McAllister, she took a look at my site and she's like, what is going on with your website? So mine's going to be uh, under construction shortly and it's going to be done properly. Hallelujah. Um, Meg McAllister but- is your agent? She is. No shit. Yes. <laughs> Meg is one of my favorite people in the world. You know she worked, you know, as one of my yes. vice presidents for many, many, many years. Um, She's wonderful. I came, I came up to Toronto when she was living in Toronto and hung out with her up there for a while, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is like, how did you end up getting her? This is a great story. I love this. Well, we don't have a lot of time to get into this. We're, we're approaching short, the bottom of the hour version. here. Okay. Just, um, so I did a speaking engagement uh, for a magazine who did their annual event. And uh, somebody in the audience had come up and she had spoken to me. And we got talking about things. And one of the things that I had mentioned in my speech was, you know, my name was getting out there. I've had Deepak Chopra on my show. I've had David Suzuki, Lisa Gibbons. Uh, but the person who I'm really trying to get to, uh, not to negate the significance or the quality of any of my other guests, is Oprah Winfrey. And I got so far as uh, on my own, I went through every website, everything I could go to where there was a message feature. And um, I did actually get a response saying from Team Oprah that they were going to redirect my message to the personal assistant. And so... This person who approached me in the audience at the speaking engagement, uh, she had talked about this other person named Meg McAllister, and I forget the context in which her name came up. I mean, of course, we were talking about books and things, and she knew that I was already a children's author and looking to endeavor to become an adult author, which is what I'm now working on. And um, so she said, you know, Meg has a lot of contacts. You might want to connect with Meg. So I, I connected with Meg. And we just, you know, we just had really good synergy and I just really thought that she was, uh, she embodied professionalism. Uh, I loved her energy. I just loved everything about it. And so when she knew that I was needing an agent, she said, well, hey, you know, let's work together. And, and I said, let's work together. I think we were both on the same page with that, like simultaneously. And so anyway, boom, bang. You know, it's amazing. And and as I've probably said to you behind closed doors, Rick, you know, um, in my world, it used to be six degrees of separation. It's truly more like two degrees now. You know, you talk about Jack Canfield. One of my mentors is Marcy Shimoff. I see that she's a mutual friend of ours on Facebook. Uh, she actually did a, I did a mastermind with her in California. She helped me uh, with the preliminary stages and suggestions of how to get my first adult book underway. And uh, and her direct number one mentor, most pivotal mentor, as we all know, is Jack Canfield. So, I mean, here we are. No coincidences. You know, this is the vibe that it, that finds and attracts your tribe. So, I just want to say, as we're we're unfortunately we're winding down here, I just want to say, Rick, I I really applaud you for everything that you're doing because I know it comes from the premise and the, the groundwork and the foundation and the footprint 
of paying it forward, being of service to others and giving back. And clearly you do that with your uh, endeavors and your initiatives with Habitat for Humanity. You've clearly done that with your clients. You've done it with other fellow authors. Um, it's just, it's a genuine spirit that emits to all those who touch you. So for what you've been doing and continue to do to pave the way for the rest of us, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, I know how off the hook busy you are. So this has been such a blessing and a, an honor to have you on my show. And, uh, I look forward to maybe one day having you come back when there's more updates because clearly there will be for the type of person you are who's always endeavoring and embarking on a million things at once. So I want to thank you so much, Rick. Well, thank you. And to your listeners, by the way, uh, as you and I have talked about in the past, uh, um, if you need anything, believe it or not, I answer every email. So you can send me an email, rick at rickfrishman.com and or just go to rickfrishman, R-I-C-K-F-R-I-S-H-M-A-N.com. Get all my stuff for free. But if you need any help, believe it or not, I will answer your email. So, uh, um, so onward and upward, start writing, start getting your book proposal together. And, uh, hopefully we will see all of you face to face at some point uh, in the future. Fantastic, Rick. Well, thank you so much, and I can certainly attest to your expedient response uh, You that for me, and I'm super grateful, which has got us here on radio and hopefully another interview down the road. To my listening audience, I want to say thank you very much for once again your loyal listenership, for taking the time out of your day to tune in and join me and my guests each week. It's always an honor and a privilege. Uh, again, Lisa McDonald from Dundas, Ontario, Canada, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. If you have any show topic ideas or wish to appear as a prospective guest on my show, you can kindly reach out to me at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. Alternatively, you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com, and McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. For my Canadian friends and family and listeners, I wish everybody a happy, safe Thanksgiving weekend. Love and gratitude to all. Take care and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.